0: Hello and welcome to You Should Hear This, a podcast for the everyday association professional. I'm Chris Beeman, your host. Have you ever traveled for work or pleasure and found yourself in an uncomfortable or awkward position because you weren't familiar with local or cultural norms? Are you soon traveling internationally for work or hosting an international audience stateside, and you're thinking about how and why to be sensitive to cultural differences? Well, you're in luck. I have the pleasure of being joined today by Tony Breeley, Chief Executive Officer of the Australasian Society of Association Executives. And we're gonna dive into some funny stories and important lessons learned around traveling abroad for meetings. Tony has more than 15 years experience in the not-for-profit sector. Having held senior positions in sector peak bodies and community service organizations, Tony has expertise in stakeholder engagement, marketing and communications, and policy development. With previous experience in sales and business development, coupled with a passion for people, Tony has developed a unique understanding of both the challenges and rewards of the not for profit sector. We're so grateful she's agreed to be a guest on the podcast today. Welcome, Tony.
1: Hello there. Or I should say, g'day.
0: G'day. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: That bio sounds very impressive, but I am the CEO of OSE and have been in the role for about six years now, but actually have been working at the organization for almost 10 years. It was not my first association role, but I did not know that. Somebody very wise once said that the association sector found me. And and I love the sector. I'm really passionate about the sector both here and in Australia and New Zealand, also globally too. It's great to be here.
0: Well, it's so great to have you. And you travel quite a bit, right? I mean, we met in Atlanta for ASAE annual meeting. Where, you know, are you all over the world or do you concentrate Mainly around the South Pacific and America?
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be sort of add uh, to, sorry, our organisation itself is Australia and New Zealand. So this strange word called Australasian, but we tend not to use that so much anymore. I know it's because it's weird um, and more like what we call Trans-Tasman. Also, you know, I have done some work and collaboration in the Asia-Pacific region, so with the Philippines organizations, in Korea, in Singapore, and our close neighbors in in that area there. And then, of course, we work quite closely with ASAE and certainly in the U.S.
0: Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, you presented on international cultural blunders at that meeting that we met at, and the description said, traveling and working across borders, we've all made unintentional cultural blunders that led to major misunderstandings or embarrassment. I'm assuming you have either been a part of some of those experiences or at least heard about some fun ones. What are one or two of the most absurd experiences you've encountered or heard about?
1: I don't think it's fair to share other people's stories because, you know, that's their story to tell. But look, the story I told at ASAE is to a little bit of a heart of what we're talking about here. You don't have to be opposing cultures to make cultural blunders. And I think even when you're working in your same language groups and what you would consider people who are culturally close to you, you can still say or do weird things. And so I think language is a really interesting thing. You know, different words in different contexts mean different things. So this is the story, Chris, which, you know, I will share it's about myself. So I was fortunate enough to have some U.S. friends and business people come down, actually some vendors from the association market, and I was showing them a, a beautiful time in Sydney. We had lunch and we were going to go do something else quite casual, and I asked the gentlemen if they wouldn't mind waiting in the lobby for me just to run back to my room because I just wanted to get changed into my thong. Now, I don't know if you know, that in Australia, thongs are worn on your feet, not where they are worn in the US. So the look on those men's faces was quite horrific and they didn't actually know what to do with that information but of course, when I saw the look, I thought a little bit, you know, and I went, no, 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 for my feet, for my feet, you know, it didn't really clean up pretty quickly. But the point in that story is even within your own language groups, you can make those blunders. And then certainly when you're in a different cultural context, those things can really inhibit the way that you can negotiate or try and partner with other organizations, just really flip of a tongue. So, you know, not using colloquialism, you know, I said it to you before, we do it all the time. You use sayings or phrases from your world that, that don't necessarily translate the same way.
0: Sure. It it definitely makes, and I was cracking up. I want to acknowledge that I had myself muted, so <laughs> I didn't overwhelm, but that's hilarious. And I think it does make you realize that we need to be more intentional with our language Maybe this is just sort of a vague question, but how do you prepare for something like that without just diving in and, you know, prepare for experiences like that?
1: Look, I'm not sure you can entirely. I think that there's certain little things that you're never going to know, no matter what research that you do. But I would say do the research. I mean, we've got loads of tools at our fingertips currently. Google, what are the cultural differences between Australia and the U.S. or, you know, the U.S. and and India. I am sure that if you deep dive, there would be lots of examples of that. There's, there's YouTubers and, and TikTokers that actually have these whole series on these things. So I think if that's where you want to go, starting to be aware of that and starting to follow some of those things to hear those stories is important because I do think that you really do need to do the research, and it doesn't matter what area, what you're doing, understanding is important.
0: Well, I would venture to say, too, conference organizers have a responsibility to help their staff and their members, yeah. especially when they know they're traveling globally and internationally to provide some education or at least a link to a repository of resources that are going to help them prepare for that, right? Right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And they're about, like, they, they are about, and I agree. I think you need to be intentional with actually understanding that your culture is different, and you need to do the work to understand what that's going to look like in a different context.
0: Sure. So while we're on the topic of culture, I'm curious, how are Americans generally viewed culturally? Because I think sometimes there's nuances even within our culture, but if Someone is traveling to Australia, for example, and you hear they're American. What sort of stereotypes or generalizations are you going to make?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think this is a really great initiative that you're doing. Understanding what your st- stereotype is. Americans are seen as quite loud in our country. They're not short of giving your opinion on anything. We're probably a little bit more British than that. So again, even in your own English-speaking language context, Americans are seen as loud and they're enthusiastic. And I even have to say, when I'm in the US, I become a lot more enthusiastic. So it's not bad. It's not good. It's just different. It's just, you know, taking one cultural context into another. In the US, you're not loud because you're all loud. So I think from a business perspective in a lot of cultures, a little bit more sort of transactional end of a spectrum. But in other cultures, you know, taking time to respect the traditions and not get straight to business. I think that this is why we're here. This is what we want. This is our timeline. You know, we'll circle back and in half an hour you're done and dusted. That is not how a lot of countries do business. There needs to be the time to build relationships and those types of things as well. And I think also giving time for follow-up. And I think for associations, this is really important. From a marketing perspective, you guys market a lot from emailing and tolerance for the number of emails being sent is really one of the major barriers that I've had to face in trying to bring our association in with the US Association or ASAE is that US vendors and things like that. The amount of email and marketing that comes out is a lot. So, you know, think about what impact that will have.
0: It's interesting, the point you raised about business. I think back to an experience I had, an organization I worked for previously had a large constituency in Nigeria. And they would come to uh, the United States for our annual meeting. There was a delegation of eight to ten of them each time. And it was always so interesting, you know, as a staff, we're working on hardly any sleep. We're trying to manage all these logistics. And there's so much happening on the back end. And it's a lot of that fast paced business. We've got people here, we've got people there. And there was this expectation to slow down and be present with them. Right. And they wanted to have conversations about children and spouses. And, you know, and it was like, you could sort of feel this anxiety welling up. There's so many things to do. And yet, you also realize the point of convening all of these people from around the world is the the networking, the relationships. And so it was almost even a reminder that that's one of the most important things happening at the event. We should be slowing down for it. But for some reason, it's really hard for us to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I haven't done a lot of work in Africa as a whole, but I, I heard a great story at ASAE this year about a conference running two hours late because of... What was going on there and the cultural aspects and, you know, that is part of their culture. But at the end of the day, that's the culture that you need to adapt to. Nobody there was worried about it. Nobody in the room or at the conference, they weren't concerned about it. So, yes, taking those cues and being able to adapt a little bit is...
0: So I'm curious, I heard you say that you come to the U.S. because it gives you an opportunity to be loud. (laughs) <laughs> and, and enthusiastic, where should Americans go to sort of chill out, calm down and not be so loud?
1: I think anybody who works in those areas would tell you that, you know, there's ways that meetings happen. There's formalities to the way meetings happen. If the decision maker's not in the room, you may as well not take the meeting, but you need to understand who that decision maker is. You know, I think Asian culture, an area that you do need to spend some time in really researching and understanding, understanding that.
0: Sure, sure. Well, you know, one thing that traveling internationally I'm always stressed about is dress code. And I don't know why, but it's one of those things where I want to feel comfortable, but I also don't want to be offensive in any way. I don't want to be seen as an outsider. And I'm also curious about the line between being respectful of cultures and traditions while not co-opting styles, behaviors, and cultural norms as your own. feels like a little bit deeper of a conversation, but are there places that you've traveled and not felt like you fit in because of how you dressed? And then how did you respond to that?
1: For me personally, Chris, you know, I think we need to dress a bit better. A A bit more formal. But yes, thinking about the Asian cultures, my experience... Being a little bit more conservative, and particularly as a female, not showing too much skin, I think, is is really important. And respecting the religion. And, and I think this is where people sort of start to go, well, this is not who I am, but at the end of the day, I'm a visitor, so I need to be respectful rather than viewing it as changing who you are. I, I think if respect is one of your core Values, then that is the value that you're showing. If you're having to adapt, it's not that you're throwing out who you are and what you know you're doing, but you're, you're tapping into some other values. And you're right; it is a bit of a deeper conversation. But yeah, I think if you, if you contextualize it in that way, that's fine.
0: Sure, and it's not like you have to lose your authenticity, right? I, I yeah. do have a little bit of a marketing hat on. It's sort of just positioning or packaging yourself in a different way that is. It's respectful to the environment.
1: That's exactly right. And at you know, talking of that marketing line, great example, and I don't know whether you've seen it, but I saw on LinkedIn the other day, McDonald's and how they're changing their imagery and people in identical advertisements, positioning and placing, but just the cultural context within them. I think that's a really good example of not changing essentially the message or the product, that just overlaying a cultural context on top of that. So if you haven't seen that, go and have a look because that's really important.
0: Right, and that's a model I think we can all sort of envision. They have their core product, yeah. right? And it's just how it's packaged or um, presented.
1: Yeah, exactly. I use an example, um, again, going down the imagery line, being careful if you're marketing, if you're the, the, in a, in an association where vehicles are involved, Remember what side of the road people drive on. But I'm not kidding. Like, yeah. you know, do, don't use imagery that has people driving on the wrong side of the road. They're not things that might be overtly obvious, but they can make a huge difference to how those messages are received.
0: Yeah, there's definitely got to be some homework done in advance. And...
1: Yeah. Hmm,
0: interesting. Interesting. So people often listen to this podcast for um, they listen to it for the fun that we have, but they also listen to it for (laughs) ideas and strategies and tips. So at the presentation for the ASAE annual meeting, your panel shared a list of intercultural resources. They were podcasts, TV shows, movies and books. Is there a place that people can find these resources to share with their global teams or a place you'd recommend they start if this is sort of new to them?
1: people Members of ASAE, there is a a, a collaborate group um, that will often share these resources. There's a couple of resources, though, that tend to get pointed to. One book is called The Culture Map by Erin Meyer and certainly works through a lot about communication styles and high-context cultures, low-context cultures, and those sorts of things. So I think that's a great resource. There's another book called When Cultures Collide, by Richard D Lewis, readily available on Amazon. If you Google as you're listening, you'll be able to hear that. And there's also a podcast called Rough Translation. Um, So if you're a podcast person, there's a, a podcast called Rough Translation. But interestingly, we also point to some other things. And there's a person that I work with on the International Council, Sylvia Goner. She actually does consulting in this area. I'd highly recommend you reaching out. She's very generous in her resources and information because she's very passionate about associations working globally and respectfully. Sylvia points to Emily in Paris as something to watch one, it's a great fluff piece to watch when you can't sleep at night. But yeah. two, I think actually highlights a lot of those unintentional faux pas and the differences in cultures in a way, that it's a little bit comedic. Yeah,
0: nice, nice. And I know sometimes it's beneficial to consume some hard life lessons in a in a comedic way that doesn't necessarily impact us, right? If we can watch yeah. someone else <laughs> embarrass themselves sense. and still learn from it, you know, that's ideal, right? I was curious to see My Big Fat Greek Wedding on the list of movies. It's been years <laughs> since I saw that, but it's interesting all of the um, yeah lessons we can take from those movies. I meant to visit this question earlier. When you talk about some of these things that you just can't prepare for, I assume that there's a level of forgiveness that people are willing to extend, especially when they know that you're coming from another culture, a different culture, Right. But as people are traveling abroad, are there places where cultural blunders are less acceptable that you've experienced or heard about?
1: Not that I've experienced. I think particularly in the association sector, you know, we're good folk and there's this level of collegiality amongst people that work in this sector, global or not, I think that's the first layer. From everything I've heard, fantastic stories, you know, there is a level of of forgiveness. I think showing a level of humility, if you you have done the wrong thing, forming those local partnerships and local alliances, and if you need to say sorry or or forgiveness, that's really important as well. Sure.
0: You've built some trust and respect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Tony, this has been so much fun. Thank you for agreeing to hang out with me for a little bit and do this podcast. I'm curious if people want to be in touch, where can they find you?
1: I'm a huge LinkedIn user. So find me on LinkedIn. First, And my email is literally tony, T-O-N-I, at au. So I'm pretty easy to find.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again. Appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of You Should Hear This. If you have any questions you'd like answered or future topics that you'd like for us to explore, please send us an email at info at isae.org. Thank you for your leadership of your associations, and I'll see you over on the next episode of You Should Hear This.